What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. This is episode 10. And for those of you guys out there who love listening to long podcasts, this is going to be an episode that you're going to love because this should be pretty lengthy because we have a lot of things that we have to discuss. We're going to be talking about how improved will Georgia's offense be this season? How good will Texas be this year? Year one under new head coach Steve Sarkis. Why LSU will bounce back this year. Then I'm going to be giving you guys my 2021 NFL preseason power rankings. And lastly, why this is a make or break season for John Gruden with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, there is rain going on in the background so you're probably going to be hearing a lot of raindrops and you're going to be hearing a lot of occasional thundering. So, if you're wondering, hey, what the heck is all that rumbling in the background? That's thunder and lightning from the current thunderstorm that I'm recording again right now. And also, before we get into it, if you haven't already, make sure that you guys leave a five-star review on the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, also make sure that you guys go ahead and share the podcast on your social media platforms with your friends, families, and acquaintances. Make sure that you follow me on my social media platforms. My Instagram and Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And lastly, make sure that you guys subscribe to my youtube channel which is jt sports how improved for georgia's offense be this upcoming college football season now last year georgia's offense was not as bad as what a lot of people try to make it out to be i feel like georgia's offense was average it wasn't great but i don't think it was all that bad now you got to remember That last year, Georgia was in a really awkward situation when it came to the quarterback position. Initially, Jamie Newman was expected to be the starting quarterback for Georgia last year. He transferred in from Wake Forest, but a couple of weeks before the season began, Jamie Newman decided to opt out and prepare for the NFL draft. Now, if we were to go back and ask Jamie Newman if he would go back and maybe reconsider his decision, if he had a chance to hop back in the time machine, maybe he would have played for Georgia last year because he ended up going undrafted. He's now the Philadelphia Eagles, and he didn't really have a great senior bowl performance which is what he ideally was trying to prepare for and during the draft process now you ended up having two options Dewan Manthis and Stetson Bennett and a lot of Georgia fans out there are heavily critical of Kirby Smart when it comes to the offensive side of the football especially when it comes to you know how he scouts the quarterback position and I definitely understand why because Stetson Bennett and DeJuan Manthis were two of their best options and we saw what happened with DeJuan Manthis he wasn't all that great and he ended up getting benched for Stetson Bennett fairly quickly and Stetson Bennett played pretty solid for the expectations that I have for him I was expecting Stetson Bennett to be all that great and here's the thing Stetson Bennett was already garnering high praise from Georgia Bulldog fans out there at the time early in the season he was the story of college football this guy who seemingly came out of nowhere is performing pretty well and I told Georgia fans I said listen 
I don't think you're going to be able to win a conference championship with Stetson Bennett or even be able to make it into the college football playoffs with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. And I wanted to see how Stetson Bennett was going to perform against Alabama. Well, Georgia goes in and they play Alabama. And believe it or not, they went into halftime with a slight lead over Alabama. Now... The second half came along and Georgia ended up not having a great second half against Alabama. They ended up losing that game. And the large reason for that was because of Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett was incredibly limited. And in this era of college football, you can't win a conference title with a guy like a Stetson Bennett. You have to have above average to great quarterback play if you want to be able to not only win your conference, but if you want to be able to win a national championship, you're not going to be able to do it with a guy like Stetson Bennett. There was a time in college football a decade ago during the BCS era before the college football playoffs came along that you could have won with a Stetson Bennett. All you had to do was to have a great rushing attack, a great offensive line, and a phenomenal defense, and you could have won with a Stetson Bennett. But you know, a decade later in 2021, college football has changed to the point that now Stetson Bennett isn't going to be good enough to get you over that hump. And that's why I was trying to tell Georgia fans before they played Alabama. And I said this before the game. I said, listen, when I did my preview of that game, I said, if Stetson Bennett proves me wrong and he ends up playing phenomenal, Georgia is going to win this game and they have a great shot of winning the SEC East. But I told Georgia fans after the game, I said, listen, it ends up turning out that I kind of was right. And a lot of people also write about this situation as well. If you're going to try to beat Alabama, you're going to have to have better quarterback play than what Stetson Bennett had in that game. And Stetson Bennett wasn't god-awful, but you know he was fairly limited. Well, now JT Daniels came in, and a lot of people had the question when JT Daniels initially transferred in because he transferred in when Jamie Newman had already transferred into Georgia, and JT Daniels wasn't really expected to get all that much action because he was still rehabbing from the injury that he suffered previously at USC. Well, it turns out JT Daniels transferring to Georgia was a blessing in disguise for Georgia fans out there because now it actually looks like you have a quarterback that can get you over the hump. Now, when it comes to Kirby Smart, I definitely understand where Georgia Bulldogs fans are coming from when it comes to how he's not all that great when it comes to evaluating the quarterback position. Because a lot of Georgia fans feel like Kirby Smart should have had a better quarterback situation than a DeWan Manthus or a Stetson Bennett. And I definitely understand that. And also Georgia fans wanted Kirby Smart to improve the offense last year. They wanted a new offensive approach when it came to a schematic standpoint, which is the reason why he brought in the offensive coordinator Todd Monken. But at the same time, what I've been trying to tell Georgia fans is that you had a offseason that was not normal. COVID-19 affected spring you didn't really have a full spring um session okay that Tom Monken was able to install the offense on the field because normally during spring that's when if you hire a new officer coordinator that's when you try to get things implemented on the field but 
you weren't able to have that. So pretty much Tom Malkin was doing installs on Zoom meetings. And then fall camp came around and you only had a couple of weeks until the season began. So that definitely wasn't enough time to install a new offense. So really Tom Malkin was kind of handicapped in terms of what him and Kirby Smart wanted to do offensively this year. And with Jamie Newman opting out before the season started, that didn't really help the situation either. So him and Kirby had to come up with an offense that could best give Georgia a chance to compete this year and with Stetson Bennett. And I think they did a pretty good job out of that. I think they pretty much squeezed all the juice that they could have out of Stetson Bennett. And then JT Daniels came around and this team was really good. This offense was tremendously improved under JT Daniels at the helm at QB than what it was with Stetson Bennett. And I am a sole believer in that if JT Daniels would have played against Florida, I believe that Georgia would have won that game. And I also believe that if JT Daniels would have played against Alabama, Georgia would have been in Alabama as well. And I believe that JT Daniels, if he would have started the season out as a starter and he was 100%, Georgia would have went all the way to the conference championship game, and I think they probably could have got into the college football playoffs this year. Now, this year, JT Daniels returns. Last year, he threw for 1,231 passing yards, completed 67.2% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, only two interceptions. I think he's definitely going to have a phenomenal season for Georgia. I think he could be in discussion to be a Heisman finalist this year because you look at all of the weapons that he has. Yeah, you have George Pickens, who probably isn't going to be able to play for the start of the year. He ended up having a injury at the start of spring camp. Now, there are some Georgia fans out there who are optimistic and feel like George Pickens could potentially play later on in the season around the time of November. But you do have Eric Gilbert, who you got in the transfer portal. Eric Gilbert had a pretty um, storybook transfer portal this past offseason. He transferred from LSU, went to Florida, then he transferred to Georgia from Florida due to him not really being academically eligible to play for Florida this year. So now he's with Georgia, which is a great get for Georgia. I think he's going to have a really big part in this Georgia offense this year. And although George Pickens went down in the wide receiver position, you still have Kiaris Jackson, which he also... Um, was another casualty of the injury bug during spring camp for Georgia, but he is expected to be able to start this year, week one against Clemson. Last year, he had 36 catches for 514 receiving yards. You also have Jermaine Burton. There is a lot of talent in that wide receiver room for Georgia, and I've been seeing a lot of people come out here and say, well, JT, like, JT Daniels isn't going to be enough. Like, what about their wide receiver position? Like, a lot of people are just looking at George Pickens going down. They're like, okay Georgia doesn't have that much talent but actually you're kind of wrong in that assessment because Georgia has a lot of talent in that receiver room like Kiaris Jackson like Jermaine Burton also you look at Arik Gilbert at tight end so I think Eric Gilbert is going to be a really critical part of this Georgia offense this year because Arik Eric Gilbert or Arik Gilbert I don't really know how people pronounce his name but when you look at Eric Gilbert he is your modern-day tight end. He's similar to how what Kyle Pitts was playing for Florida last year. Now, we haven't really seen that much out of Eric Gilbert, but when you look at his skill set, he has a skill set that is on par to Kyle Pitts. He's fast. 
He's going to be hard for linebacks to cover, and he's going to be hard for safeties and cornerbacks to cover just because of his size. So his speed makes him a mismatch against linebackers, and his size makes him a mismatch against defensive backs. So pretty much, how are you going to stop this guy? This guy is the epitome of a freak athlete he's pretty much what you get when you take a created player on ncaa 14 you give them 99 overall and everything 99 speed 99 acceleration 99 catching that's what you get and the reek gilbert I don't really see a lot of teams on the defense side of the football having success stopping Eric Gilbert this year. Now you look at the running back room. I'm really excited for the running backs that Georgia has in Zamir White and James Cook. I think that Georgia has the best running back room in all of college football. You have James Cook, who had a pretty good season last year. He ran for 303 rushing yards, averaged 6.7 yards per carry, and three touchdowns. You had Zamir White, who had 144 carries, 779 rushing yards, averaged 5.4 yards per carry, and 11 touchdowns. So I'm really excited about Georgia's backfield this year. I believe that they have the best running back room in all of college football. And also, they returned four out of five of their starters on the off the line this season. So Georgia has all of the talent there this year minus George Pickens to have one of the best offense maybe the best offense that we've ever seen Georgia have under Kirby Smart and if Georgia's offense performs to the level of expectations that I have and a lot of Georgia Bulldogs fans out there have then I definitely believe that Georgia not only can win the SEC this year but they're going to be in the college football playoffs and there are a lot of people who think that Georgia can win a national championship this year and I'm also in that minority out there because I believe that Georgia can win a national championship this year also so I'm really excited about Georgia's offense I think that Georgia's offense is going to be really good this year and I think that this is going to be the best offense that Kirby Smart has had during his time as the head coach for Georgia now moving on how good will Texas be year one under Steve Sarkeesian now Steve Sarkeesian was the offensive coordinator for Alabama Alabama had one of the best offenses that we've ever seen in college football history you had a lot of players on that Steve Sarkeesian offense last year that are now currently in the NFL who are drafted in the first round such as quarterback Mac Jones you got Devontae Smith now Philadelphia Najee Harris was drafted in the first round by Pittsburgh and offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood who is now playing for the Las Vegas Raiders. And when you look at Steve Sarkeesian, you have to give him a lot of credit for the job he did with Mac Jones because before the season started, there were a lot of people who were on the fence about Mac Jones. Everybody was considering Mac Jones to be A.J. McCarron 2.0. He was a great game manager. And I was telling people, I said, listen, Mac Jones with Steve Sarkeesian is going to do wonders. And Steve Sarkeesian ended up being one of the biggest reasons for why Mac Jones had the success that he had last year. And also, one thing that I love about Steve Sarkeesian is that he's really good at getting the most out of the current talent that he has to work with. So with Texas... They went 7-3 last year, 5-3 in the Big 12. They parted ways with Tom Herman. And when you look at Texas... If Steve Sarkeesian ends up being the head coach that a lot of Texas fans are hoping that he can be, 
it shouldn't take him too long to get Texas rolling. As a matter of fact, I think that Texas could potentially win 9 or 10 games this year, which a lot of you guys may say, JT, you're crazy in thinking that Texas is going to win 9 or 10 games this year, but I believe it. Texas is not a program that doesn't have any talent. This isn't something that is going to be a rebuild. Like It's not like he's going to a Baylor or something like that, a team that's going to take three, four years to rebuild. You look at Steve Sarkeesian, he already has one of the more talented rosters in all of college football. Last year, according to 24-7 Sports Team Talent Composite Rankings, Texas had the fifth most talented team in all of college football last year. Now, I don't know where they rank in that department this year, but I don't think it should be too far off. They still should be pretty high. So for Steve Sarkeesian, he has a really talented team. This isn't a situation where he's going to a roster that doesn't have any talent that he should be looking at a four or five year re- rebuild. Like he should be able to come in this year and have success right out the gate. Now I understand that it may be some growing pains there. It may take a little bit of time for the offense to start clicking and things like that. But with the talent that Texas currently possesses right now, I think that it's not unrealistic to see Texas win winning nine or ten games this year and I'm not a Texas fan by the way for those of you guys who are gonna come out here and say that I'm just a unrealistic overly optimistic Texas fan I am a Miami Hurricane fan so trust me when I tell you that my expectations are pretty realistic I don't think it's out the ballpark to see Texas making it to a New Year's Six Bowl game this year now you have a very interesting conversation when it comes to who's going to be the potential starting quarterback this year for Texas and that's not bad you have two good options you have Hudson Card and you also have Casey Thompson now Casey Thompson is the presumed favorite to win the starting quarterback job for Texas this year he had a really good showing against Colorado in the Alamo Bowl a couple of months ago he went 8 of 10 for 170 passing yards and four touchdowns Texas also returns three out of five of their top receivers, including Joshua Moore, who had 30 catches for 472 receiving yards in the touchdown last year. You also have tight end K. Brewer there, and off the line is also pretty solid as well. You return four out of five starters. Now, there's supposed to be some tweaks that's going to be coming along with the off the line but from a offensive standpoint you also have Brian Robinson there who was a star-studded recruit coming out of high school he had a really good season last year ran for 703 rushing yards averaging a whopping 8.2 yards per carry let me check my notes again yeah I'm 8.2 yards per carry and four touchdowns. This guy is an absolute freak. So Steve Sarkeesian, from an offensive standpoint, I definitely think that he has more than enough talent to make some things shake this year. And I think this is going to be a team offensively that's probably going to be what Ole Miss was last year under Lane Kiffin in his first year. So if Lane Kiffin was able to have the success that he had with Ole Miss last year during the COVID offseason, not really having a normal offseason to implement his full entire offense, and Ole Miss performed incredible on the offensive side of the football last year, I think that we could see Steve Sarkeesian do the same thing with Texas this season. Now, 
My biggest concern is going to be the defense because the defense was not all that great last year. Now, the defense line is pretty solid along with linebacker. You do have some talent there, but where is the pass rush going to come from? You lost Joseph Asai, who is now playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. And how good is the back end of that secondary going to be? How good is safety going to be? How good is corner going to be? That's the question that I have when it comes to Texas this year. But when I look at Texas this year, I would not be surprised if you see this team winning 9 or 10 games. And it's definitely not unrealistic because the talent is there for Texas. If Texas was only allowed to recruit in the state of Texas, they still would be a team that could be a championship contender because there's a lot of tech a lot of talent in the state of Texas and Texas does recruit that state pretty well which they should and despite the fact that you have the emergence of Texas A&M Texas still gets some of the best talent out of that state so I look at Steve Sarkeesian I mean, realistically, I think that he should be able to win 9-10 games this year now of course some people are going to be like well JT you may have to feather your expectations down just a tad bit because maybe he'll have some growing pains in there. Maybe the offense doesn't get going. And I understand that. And if Steve Sarkeesian doesn't win nine or ten games, I'm not going to come out and say that, oh, Texas made a bad hiring with Steve Sarkeesian. I'm just saying that I think the best case scenario could be nine, ten wins for Texas this year. And Texas definitely could compete for the Big 12 Championship this year with the talent that they have. Like I mentioned, Texas is not one of those schools that you have to go to and you have to do like this long-term rebuild that you have to get three, four recruiting classes in there before you're actually able to make some noise. Texas has one of the best fan bases in all of college football. They have an incredibly thick pocketbook and nobody's afraid to empty their wallet out there. Like if something needs to get done and Steve Sarkeesian needs something, Texas is not going to hesitate to go ahead and put the money down in place to get it done. You have some of the best athletic facilities in the country and you have a really good roster when it comes to a talent standpoint. Like Texas, if you are a head coach looking for a job that gives you the best chance to have success right off the bat Texas definitely is the place for that and I look at Steve Sarkeesian I think all of the talent is there for Texas to have a really good season year one under Steve Sarkeesian and my expectations for Texas this year is nine or ten wins and that may be a little bit you know overly optimistic but I think Steve Sarkeesian definitely can get the job done with the personnel that he has currently on the offensive side of the football now like I said if he doesn't win 10 or 9 games he ends up winning less games than that then I'm not going to be disappointed you know I'm not going to pass the hiring and things like that I just think that Texas definitely is a team that can have a little bit more success year one under Steve Sarkeesian than what a lot of people are giving them credit for now, while we're still on this segment of, you know, college football, the last college football team I want to talk about on this episode is LSU. LSU, not too long ago, won a national championship in 2019, but it seems like as college football fans, we've already swept it underneath the rug and we've already forgot about it. It seems like even though 2019 wasn't too long ago, it seems like LSU won a championship a decade ago because of how terrible and awful 2020 went for this program. Now, I wasn't expecting LSU to be a, a world beater this past season. I wasn't expecting them to be a championship caliber football team this season. Because they lost a lot 
from that championship team. You lost your Burrow. You lost Justin Jefferson. You lost so much talent from that team. I just felt like it was going to be really hard for LSU to replicate the success they had in 2019 and 2020 because you was replacing a lot of great players. Now, I also would be lying if I told you that I would see LSU losing the season opener to Mike Leach in Mississippi State with KJ Costillo at quarterback because after that, people were starting to think that Mississippi State was just going to surprise everybody. KJ Costillo was everybody's highest men pick going into the week after. And then we saw how things went after that for Mississippi State. Mississippi State ended up not being all that great after upsetting LSU. KJ Costillo got benched. So, I mean, things did not get off to a great start for LSU. Then, on top of that, you got destroyed and you got your head busted open by Alabama. And I knew that Alabama game was not going to be pretty because If you go back and you listen to the interview that Nick Saban had before the game, (laughs) Nick Saban said, we're going to come in here and we're going to change the way they think. We're going to change LSU in the way they go about football. And that's what happened after the game, boy, because I tell you, boy, that thing got ugly and it got out of hand real quick. Like Nick Saban normally has his team really focused all of the time. There is never a game that you will see an unfocused Alabama team. But this Alabama team that destroyed LSU last year was more than focused. They came in there with some nasty intentions. They came in there with more than a point to prove. They wanted to embarrass and humiliate LSU. And that's what they did. And after that game, Nick Saban was right. Alabama definitely changed LSU after that game because then you ended up beating Florida in the upset of the year. Now, give it Marco Wilson tossing the shoe had a little bit to do with that. But at the end of the day, that was still a very big win for LSU last year. LSU needed that win. Now, you look at LSU going into this season, okay. I still believe in Ed Orgeron. I believe that Ed Orgeron is a really great coach. There are a lot of people out there who are anti-Ed Orgeron and say that Ed Orgeron just had everything fall in his lap. And I can understand that argument. Okay, you had Joe Brady 2019. You had Joe Burrow. Both of those guys went to the NFL, had a lot of success. Like You had a lot of great pieces on that 2019 championship team. But when you look at Ed Orgeron... He's somebody who doesn't hesitate to make a lot of changes. And Ed Orgeron made some changes. Now, at quarterback, you have Miles Brennan or Max Johnson. It's still a big mystery that is going to be decided during fall camp who's going to end up starting week one for LSU. A lot of people think it's going to be Miles Brennan, but there's also a good amount of people who think that it's going to be Max Johnson, and Max Johnson played pretty well. So I would say that if I had to weigh my confidence on a scale of 100, I think that it would be 60% Miles Brennan and 40% that Max Johnson starts the season out for LSU. But you can't go wrong with either quarterback. I feel like both of those two quarterbacks performed pretty well. Max um, Miles Brennan performed pretty well before he had the injury problems that he had. And Max Johnson also performed pretty well in the few amount of games that he performed in. And also, you have a lot of talent at wide receiver. The rushing attack should improve this year. You have David 
Vince Price, John Emery, you returned four out of five starters on the offensive line from last year. So LSU offensively should be pretty good. And wide receiver is never a question when it comes to LSU. Like LSU consistently puts in great wide receiver talent into the NFL year after year after year. So I'm not really concerned about wide receiver. I'm not concerned about the rushing attack. I know the rushing attack wasn't all that great last year, but I definitely feel like the rushing attack is going to improve this year. Now the defense is probably going to be the biggest concern because their defense was god awful. They had the worst defense in all of college football. They allowed 323 passing yards per game, which was dead last in college football and passing yards per game allowed. Now, you look at the changes that they made to their defensive coordinator. Bo Pelini is out. You bring in Durante Jones, who spent time with the Minnesota Vikings last year with their defensive backs. And Minnesota's defensive backs last year kind of struggled early on, but they got better as the season progressed. Now, there definitely is a lot of talent on this LSU's defense, especially when it comes to secondary, when it comes to cornerback. LSU has the best cornerback duo in all of college football. You have Eli Ricks and Derek Stanley. Derek Stanley, in some people's eyes, is widely considered to be the best player in college football, understandably so. Now, the stat sheet isn't going to be impressive for Derek Stanley this year because a lot of quarterbacks are going to try to shy away from throwing to his side. Then you also have Eli Ricks, who also is probably going to be the next guy up once Derek Stanley leaves for the NFL draft whenever that, whenever that happens. And he's probably going to end up becoming the best cornerback in college football. So LSU essentially has two of the best cornerbacks in college football on their team. Now, the question is going to be, how is that back end of the secondary going to look? How is safety going to look? Now, linebacker is pretty good, even though you did lose Jabril Cox, who is now playing with the Dallas Cowboys. I think they have pretty good talent. They have pretty good depth at linebacker. Not concerned about that. The pass rush also is pretty solid as well. The problem with LSU is not their ability to get pressure on the quarterback. The problem with LSU's defense, I feel, was their run defense when it came to the defensive line. I felt like their defensive line wasn't as good as what they were against the pass as they were against the run. Their pass rush was pretty good. The run defense was, and eh, it could have been better. Now, I definitely believe that LSU's defense is going to improve, and I believe that overall this year, LSU is going to be a really good team, and I think that this is a team that could be a dark horse team that could win the SEC West this year. You got to remember, LSU is a team that has a lot of talent. This is one of the most talented teams in all of college football. And you look at Alabama, Alabama lost a lot of talent to the NFL last year on the offensive side of football. Now, their defense is going to be really good, but I definitely feel like LSU could reclaim the SEC West this year. I really believe that. You have Miles Brandon and Max Johnson. I feel like both of those two guys are more than capable of being able to get the job done. You have a star-started group of wide receivers. Like, I feel like LSU is going to bounce back. Like, in college football, you're going to have some down years. And every program, no matter how great they are, has some down years. For Alabama, they had some down years. Now, their down years haven't been as ugly as LSU's down years. Their down years were, you know, winning 10 games and beating the breaks off Michigan in their bowl game a couple of years back. Like, Alabama has had some down years. Even though their down years aren't as ugly as LSU's, they're not competing for championships year after year after year after year after year. They do have some years in between where they're out of the mix for being in the national championship but 
you do have some teams that have downs that last a little bit longer than downs for like a program like Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State. But people do have to understand that every good program does have some down years. There aren't just any programs that just consistently have championship caliber years for like a whole entire decade. Like even Alabama has some down years. So you look at LSU, I definitely feel like last year was a season to forget. And if you're an LSU fan, you definitely should put last year, not even the back of your head, like just go inside your head, cut it open, and take the memories that you have for 2020, look at it, ball it up, you know, go like this, ball it up, and shoot that thing in the trash can and just forget about it, you know, put that thing in the shredder and just forget 2020 happened because 2020 was an unusual year for a lot of programs last year. And for LSU, for a team that lost a lot of talent, and was trying to figure out what players were going to end up stepping up and what roles they were going to have. You didn't really have the normal offseason. You didn't really have a normal spring camp. Fall camp, you didn't really have that much time. So LSU didn't really have a lot of time to properly access their roster situation in the best way to get the current players that they had on the roster involved. So for LSU, I feel like this year with a normal offseason, things going back to normal, I definitely feel like LSU is going to rise up and they're going to bounce back this year in 2021 now moving on to the nfl i want to give you guys my 2021 nfl preseason power rankings now I'm not a big fan of these power rankings. As a matter of fact, a lot of people have been asking me to do weekly power rankings. Uh, I'm not really going to do that because, first of all, like it's really hard to rank all 32 teams on a week-to-week basis, in my opinion. And on top of that, it's a little bit more time-consuming. So if I do power rankings, then that's going to take away from time that I have to do other videos like the weekly preview and prediction videos that a lot of you guys love watching. So I figured I, I would compromise, and I would give you guys my my preseason power rankings, how I'm going to be looking at these teams heading into the preseason and before the NFL season kicks off in a couple of weeks. So starting off, number 32, I have the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are the worst team in the NFL, in my opinion. Even if Deshaun Watson plays this year, there's not a lot of talent. Um, there's not a lot of talent at wide receiver. The defense isn't great. You lost your best player in franchise history and J.J. Watt, who's now the Arizona Cardinals. So I don't really think the Texans are going to be good this year. As a matter of fact, I definitely think that they could end up being the first team in the NFL history to go 0-17. Then you got Philadelphia. Philadelphia's roster isn't as bad as Houston's, but you do have a lot of questions when it comes to that defense, when it comes to linebacker. You don't really have that much depth at corner. Outside from Darius Slay and Steven Nelson, there's not a lot of great options there. The defensive line, eh, it's not that bad, but I feel like it could be better. Then you look at the offensive line. The offensive line definitely isn't bad, but it just comes down to can everybody stay healthy. At wide receiver, aside from Devontae Smith, I don't really have a lot of confidence in the other wide receivers behind them. And also Devontae Smith, can he stay healthy? Because training camp has already kicked off not too long into it, and Devontae Smith is already 
really dealing with some injuries there. So for Philadelphia, I have them at number 31. I have the New York Jets at number 30. I have a lot of confidence in Robert Sala. I think he's going to be a phenomenal coach for the New York Jets. But he's taking over a New York Jets team that doesn't really have a lot of talent. Now, offensively, they have a good amount of talent. As a matter of fact, they have way more talent this year on the offensive side of football than what they did last season. I believe that the offense is going to be better this year than what the defense is going to be this year. And it may be crazy because Robert Sala is a defensive-minded coach, but a lot of people have to remember that that defense wasn't good overnight with Robert Sala when he was playing, when he was the head coach, well, not the head coach, but the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. It took him a year to get that defense running, and it also took him a year to get the players that he wanted to run the defense that he wanted to run. So with the New York Jets, they don't really have all that much talent on the defense side of football. As a matter of fact, they may be the second least talented team on that side of the ball. You have questions at corner. Okay, you have Quentin Williams. Your defensive line is pretty solid. Linebacker isn't that bad. But outside of Marcus May, that secondary may be the worst in the NFL behind Houston or ahead of the Houston Texans. So for the New York Jets, I think this team could end up surprising a lot of people. They could win more games than what some people believe they will. A lot of people have them winning three games. I think they probably could win four or six at best. But overall, the Jets, although I think they're going to be well coached, I just think that they're missing a lot of talent. Then you have the Atlanta Falcons at number 29. Atlanta is going to be a team that's going to be able to compete just because of how good I feel their offense is going to be this year. I don't think Matt Ryan is going to regress the point that you can't get nothing out of him. Like, I think the offensive line should improve. You're going to have an improved running game with Arthur Smith taking over as the head coach. And Arthur Smith was the OC for Tennessee last year. This is a guy who loves to run the football and run it down your throat. So I think Atlanta's offense is going to be really good. But overall, I don't think their team is going to be really good. Because for Atlanta to have success, I think they're going to have to be able to outscore everybody. And a lot of Atlanta fans have been saying that, I'm wrong on the defense. The defense is going to improve. The thing is that you don't have that much talent on defense. You don't have that much of a pass rush outside of Grady Jarrett. Dante Fowler can't stay healthy. So, I mean, the pass rush is a big concern. The secondary is a big concern. Yeah, you have some young players there, but overall, we don't really know how great those players are. For all we know, those players might not be all that great. So for Atlanta, their defense is going to be their Achilles heel this year. I think Atlanta is going to be competitive, simply for the fact that they can put a lot of points on the board. But if you want to win games in the NFL, you cannot score everybody. You got to have some defense there. I have Cincinnati at 28. I think Cincinnati is a really interesting team. I feel like if you put Cincinnati in the AFC South, I think they could potentially finish second place in that division. But you look at how competitive the AFC North is this year. You have Pittsburgh, who a lot of people have their reservations about Pittsburgh this year. You have Baltimore and Cleveland, who are two teams who a lot of people are expecting to be Super Bowl contenders this year. So for Cincinnati, they're in a really tough division. They're one of the toughest divisions in all of the NFL. I definitely feel like this defense has some concerns when it comes to the linebacker position. I'm not all that high on the secondary, neither when it comes to cornerback. But you do have a lot of great players on the offensive side of football. You got Joe Mixon returning. You got Joe Burrow returning from a pretty good rookie campaign, even though it was cut short. You bring in Jamar Chase from this past 
last year's NFL draft, and now you have one of the best wide receiving cores in all of the NFL. But can the offensive line hold up? That was the problem for Cincinnati last year, and I don't think the offensive line is going to be all that improved this season. You got Detroit at number 27. I think that a lot of people are sleeping on the Detroit Lions, not only just Detroit, but the Jacksonville Jaguars in general. And I've already made several bets with a lot of people that the Detroit Lions and that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win six games or more this year. I'm betting on both of those two teams being really compared to football teams. We look at Detroit. Detroit doesn't have a lot of talent on their roster. Now, they don't have now their talent situation isn't as bad as the Houston Texans or the New York Jets or anything like that. But you definitely do have some questions at wide receiver. But you have one of the best off the lines in the NFL. You got Jared Goff at quarterback, which Jared Goff isn't great, but I don't think he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. You can win with Jared Goff if you give him the right situation. The defense has some concerns. The defensive line is going to be really good, especially when it comes to getting pressure on the quarterback. I don't think cornerback is all that bad. Jeff Okuda, hopefully he can have a pretty good second season after having a really um, terrible campaign. And you got to think about it. You had COVID and you also had Matt Patricia who didn't really put any of the players on the defense side of the football in good spots to succeed. So I think Jeff Okuda could have a bounce back season or he could have a really good sophomore campaign this year. I also have Emmanuel Warrior, who I think is really underrated. I think he's the best cornerback on the Detroit Lions roster as of right now. But linebacker is a huge concern. Safety is a huge concern for Detroit. But I definitely believe that Detroit is going to be a competitive football team this year. And I think they should be able to win at least six games or more. Same thing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You look at Urban Meyer and you look at the situation that Urban Meyer is taking over. I think Urban Meyer, out of all of the new head coaches who were hired this past offseason, I think that he has the best situation out of all of them when it comes to a talent standpoint because Jacksonville has been bad for over the last decade aside from that one year when they went to the AFC Championship game and lost in New England Patriots. They've been stacking talent for over the last couple of years. So it's no surprise that Jacksonville has one of the most, if not the most, talented young roster in the NFL. You got Trevor Lawrence at QB. You have a pretty solid offensive line when everybody's able to stay healthy. You have a really good group of young wide receivers. You have DJ Chark. You have LaVisco Chenault. You have Marvin Jones, who you picked up in free agency. You also have James Robinson, who was the best rookie running back in the NFL last year. You got Travis Etienne. So there's a lot of great players on this Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Same thing for the defense. The defense struggled last year. I think it was more due to injuries. You have Josh Allen, who had a really disappointing season last year after coming off a 10-sack season as a rookie, and that's because he was unable to stay on the field due to injury concerns. But when he's on the field, he's really good. Same thing with C.J. Henderson. C.J. Henderson was pretty solid, but he also dealt with injuries. You got Caleb Vaughn chasing, who didn't really have a great rookie season. Hopefully, he can have a better season this year going into year two, and you Prove the secondary, you bring in Shaquille Griffin. I know Shaquille Griffin isn't, you know, a stud, anything like that. He's pretty inconsistent, but he does bring an upgrade there to that other cornerback spot on the opposite side of C.J. Henderson because last year Jacksonville literally had guys playing off the street at cornerback for this team. Then you look at linebacker. Linebacker is really good with Miles Jack and Joe Schobert there. The question is going to be the interior of that defense line when it comes to defense tackle and nose tackle. But overall, I feel like Jacksonville has a really solid roster. And I believe that this team is also going to be really competitive in that. They're going to be winning six games or more this season. Now you look at Denver. Denver 
is a really interesting team. Because when you look at this team from a talent standpoint, they're definitely deserve to be higher than 25th. But their quarterback situation is going to decide how far this team goes. Now, as of right now, it seems like Drew Locke is going to be the obvious favorite to win, according to what I've been hearing coming out of training camp. Teddy Bridgewater has been looking all too hot. Drew Locke has been pretty good during his performance so far during training camp. So if Drew Locke ends up improving, and he has been working with Peyton Manning a lot over this offseason, and he has a better season than what he had last year. I definitely think Denver is a team that can get to the playoffs because you have all the talent in the world. You have a pretty good group of running backs. You have a really solid offensive line. You have Cortland Sutton coming back along with Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. You got no offense. So you have a lot of weapons to work with in the passing game. Defensively, Denver's Bron- the Denver Broncos defense was really good last year. I expect this defense to be even better this year with the addition of Patrick Sertan. So for Denver, it really just comes down to how much they get out of the quarterback position. I don't even think they need great quarterback play. Like, I think if Denver can at least get average to above average QB play out of Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, whichever one of those guys ends up getting the nod, I think that they can end up making it to the playoffs if they can get solid QB play out of either one of those guys. You got the New York Giants. I think the New York Giants are in a similar situation with the Denver Broncos. I think this is a team that's going to be solely dependent on how well their quarterback performs and Daniel Jones. Now, the off the line is still not great. This was one of the worst off the lines in the NFL last year. And off the line hasn't improved. As a matter of fact, one of their starters from last year has already went down for injury. So off the line already takes a really big hit. So I don't know how far the Giants are going to go this year. Like Daniel Jones could surprise me. He could play pretty well, but the off the line doesn't really give me a lot of encouragement. Even though Saquon's coming back, that's not going to help out the off the line because you're only as good as the guys that you have blocking in front of you. So the off the line, Daniel Jones, a huge concerns that I have for the New York Giants, but this is definitely one of the more improved teams heading into the upcoming NFL season. You look at what this team did in the offseason, bringing in Kenley Galladay. You also brought in um, Dory Jackson as well, so the defense should still be pretty good under defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, who could end up being a head coaching candidate next year at the start of the offseason for 2022. But overall, I don't really know how good the Giants want to be this year in terms of them being a playoff contender with the question that they have on the offensive line and Daniel Jones being, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get out of them. You got Arizona at 23. Arizona is a really interesting team because the talent is definitely there. It just depends on how well Cliff Kingsbury is going to be this year. And Cliff Kingsbury has to improve from year one to year two. Arizona has become a significantly better team. Now this year, it just depends on how well he's going to do at coaching this team up. If Cliff Kingsbury ends up not being that great of a coach this season, then Arizona most definitely is going to miss the playoffs, and he definitely could be on his way out. But Cliff Kingsbury definitely has had this team trending in the right direction. They have gotten better every single season, but this is the year that he has to be able to put it together. You look at the Las Vegas Raiders. Similar situation with the Arizona Cardinals, although you have questions about the defense Is this defense going to improve? Because the Las Vegas Raiders haven't had a good defense in what? Going on a decade and a couple of years from that. So, I mean, like, 
pretty much, I don't think the Las Vegas Raiders will have a good defense in like, what, 12 or 13 years? So that's a very long time. Even when you had Jack Del Rio as your head coach, you still didn't have a great defense when he was the head coach. And he was a defensive-minded coach, and the offense was better than the defense. So when you look at the Las Vegas Raiders, man, like, two questions. Is this defense going to improve under Gus Bradley? And two, are you going to be able to start the season out as good as what you finish? Because normally for the Las Vegas Raiders, this is a team that is really good at the first part of the season. But once we get into the month of November, which is where the real NFL season begins after Thanksgiving is where we start to see the pretenders separate themselves from the contenders. The Las Vegas Raiders normally end up being on the opposite side of that discussion. They normally end up being in that pretender conversation because I tell people, the NFL season is not about how well you start. It's about how well you finish. And all the teams who end up starting out, you know, not all that great. They end up getting really hot in the month of November, heading into the month of December, and end up making it into the playoffs. And Las Vegas Raiders end up going really cold after Thanksgiving in the month of December, and end up fizzling down the stretch like they did when they lost to the Miami Dolphins on Thursday Night Football. You had one of the biggest upsets of the year when they lost to the Atlanta Falcons. So for the Las Vegas Raiders, it all comes down to, is that defense going to improve the Raiders don't even need to have the best defense in the NFL. They just need to have an average defense. And I think this team can make it into the playoffs. You look at the Bears. The Bears are a team that I think they're average. I think this is a pretty good spot to rank them. I think this is a team that can go either way. They could make it to the playoffs. They could not. You look at the whole quarterback conversation they have with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. It is pretty widely expected for Andy Dalton to be the starter. It's already been stated several times throughout training camp in the offseason from Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace that they are in no hurry to get Justin Fields in there and I understand why you don't want to have the same thing happen with Justin Fields happening to Mitchell Trubisky where you throw him into the fire too early he ends up struggling but you look at Andy Dalton I definitely feel like Andy Dalton is a better upgrade than Mitchell Trubisky and I definitely feel like you can win with Andy Dalton but it's also going to be a couple of games that you're going to lose because of Andy Dalton so I feel like the Bears can go either way look at the Carolina Panthers at 20 the Carolina Panthers are a French playoff team this is a team that can go from you know, a borderline playoff team that's sneaking into the playoffs. And that defense is going to be really good this year. I feel like the Panthers have one of the more underrated defenses heading into the upcoming 2021 NFL season. You got Brian Burns, who could have a breakout season. He's really underrated. You got Jeremy Chen, who had a really phenomenal rookie season. You also bring in J.C. Horn. Like, the Carolina Panthers have a really good defense. And I think their defense is going to be a really great unit this year. Now, now, at offense, okay, on the offensive side of the football, you have a question when it comes to your offensive line. Aside from Morton, your offensive line is a huge concern. You look at Sam Darnold, how well is he going to perform? Even though he does have a better situation in terms of what he ever had to work with with the New York Jets, I don't really know how great that offensive line is going to be. Then you got Christian McCaffrey coming back fully healthy. That's going to be a bonus. So, uh, so honestly, I think Carolina's a team that could sneak into the playoffs. They could be a borderline playoff team. You look at Minnesota, I'm not as high on Minnesota as a lot of other people are. I still don't really trust that secondary. That secondary had a lot of growing pains. And although it was fairly young, I understand that argument. At the same time, I just don't really trust it. You did lose a pretty good amount of talent on defense. Okay, the defensive line 
I don't think it's all that bad. I think it's pretty solid. Linebacker is really great. But I honestly don't really trust that secondary. Then you look at the offense side of football. Okay, the offensive line should be improved. I think the offense should be fairly good as well. But I don't really know how good that secondary is going to be this season for Minnesota. You look at Indianapolis. I'm still pretty high on Indianapolis. I still think that Indianapolis is a playoff contender without Carson Wentz being out for the next couple of months due to an injury that he sustained. I think Jacob Beeson could get Indianapolis, you know, into a position that they can be a playoff contender because you got to remember, this was a team that was a team that came really close to making it into the playoffs with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback not too long ago. And you look at Frank Reich, Frank Reich is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. And the sign of a good offensive minded head coach is one who can win with whoever he has at quarterback. So you look at Frank Reich, I think he definitely can have success with Jacob Beeson. You look at the Miami Dolphins at 17. The Miami Dolphins are a really interesting team because I do like Tua. A lot of people aren't really all that high on Tua, but I like the supporting cast that he has. But that off the line is fairly young. I don't know if that off the line is going to continue to struggle and have growing pains or the off the line is going to end up having a really good season this year with a lot of the young stars that he have. You also have some holes on defense. We don't really know what's going to happen with the whole Xavier Howard thing. We don't know if he's going to get traded or if the Miami Dolphins are just going to go ahead and, you know, give him a little bit of a increase in, you know, salary. Then you got holes at linebacker. I don't think linebacker is all that great when it comes to pass coverage. So there are some concerns about the Miami Dolphins that I am interested to see how they unfold throughout the preseason and training camp. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have a lot of talent on this roster. You have Dak Prescott returning after having his season cut short. And this team is definitely night and day compared to when Dak Prescott plays and when he doesn't play. For a while, everybody was under the assumption that is he Ezekiel Elliott was the motor that made the Dallas Cowboys offense go. And honestly, we saw that wasn't true because when Dak Prescott went down, Ezekiel Elliott's productions went down along with Dak Prescott's season. So with Dak Prescott coming back and the off the line also dealing with some injuries last season, coming back fully healthy, I think that the Dallas Cowboys are a team that could make it into plus and have some postseason success. It just depends on how well of a job Mike McCarthy and that coaching staff does this year. You look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, I have them at number 15. Pittsburgh is a team that I feel is being heavily underrated going into this year. I think a lot of people are blowing the whole offensive line thing out of proportion. I don't think the Steelers have the worst offensive line in the NFL. I think the fact that the Steelers had so much turnover when it came to the offensive line scares a lot of people. And anytime you have a lot of infamiliarity, there's going to be some concerns there. But I feel like Pittsburgh's offensive line is going to be really solid. Big Ben. It's going to be good enough to still win you a Super Bowl. He can still win you some games there. He carried the Steelers offense for a good portion of last season because they had no running game. Now you improve that by bringing in Najee Harris in this past year's NFL draft in the fourth round, first round, 24th overall. I think Najee Harris, if he ends up having a great season, which I believe that he will, it's still going to be a playoff football team. Now I think that Najee Harris is going to end up being one of the best running backs in the NFL fairly quickly. Then... You look at the New Orleans Saints. I think the New Orleans Saints are going to end up making it into the playoffs. I know a lot of people have concerns about Jameis Winston and whatnot, but Sean Payton revitalized Drew Brees' career. Remember, Drew Brees had a high number of turnovers when he was coming from San Diego. He went to Sean Payton, and Sean Payton and him ended up 
having a good connection, good chemistry. He ended up resurrecting Drew Brees' career. And from that point on, Drew Brees ended up becoming a future first ballot Hall of Famer. Now he's retired. He's out the door. It looks like Jameis Winston is going to be the guy who ends up getting the nod. Taysom Hill, maybe he could be the starting guy. But either way, I think if Jameis Winston ends up winning the starting job, I think New Orleans is going to make it into the playoffs because everything that Jameis Winston didn't have in Tampa Bay, he now has with the New Orleans Saints. He has stability at coaching okay never really had that he went through three different head coaches during his time with the Tempe Buccaneers Lovey Smith Dirk Cutter Bruce Arians you have a really good rushing tackle with Alvin Kamara Latavius Murray you have one of the best off the lines in the NFL I don't think receiver is all that bad as some people may make it out to be I think Traquan Smith could break out this year you got Alan Tronum at tight end who could be in for a breakout season the defense should be pretty good this year although you do have concerns when it comes to the pass rush and when it comes to who's going to be that second cornerback who's going to be replacing Janoris Jenkins on the opposite side of Marshawn Lattimore I think their defense should be pretty solid so I think the Saints are going to make it to the playoffs this year look at Seattle I think Seattle I have them at number 13 I think they're going to be pretty good this year as well as a matter of fact Seattle has gotten better they're a better team this year than what they were last year. And their defense, I think, can end up being a really good defense this year. Their defense struggled out the gate, but they're in the second half of last year from week 10 to their last playoff game. Their defense definitely improved. Then you look at the Chargers. The Chargers are a team that a lot of people expect to go from, you know, worse to going into the playoffs with the addition of bringing in head coach Brandon Staley. And they have all the talent there. Brandon Staley did a very good job turning around that defense for the Rams last year. They went from an average defense to the best defense in the league. And you look at the Chargers, he has all the talent to be able to do that same thing, that same magic that he did with the Rams last year you got Joey Bosa you got Duran James come back fully healthy you have a really good group of linebackers there you got some talent at cornerback especially with bringing in Asante Samuel Jr. so I think that the Chargers are going to be in the playoffs as well they probably could steal a game from Kansas City this year there are a lot of Kansas City fans who also agree and feel like the Chargers could steal a game from them then you look at Washington Washington at number 11. I was really close to having Washington as a top 10 team, but you don't really know of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the most volatile quarterback I've ever seen in NFL history. He can give you some MVP performances for five straight weeks in a row, and then he can have some really bad games. So you don't really know what you want to get out of him, and I don't really know how improved the offensive line is going to be this season as well, but you did improve the skill position. You did improve the wide receiver position with the additional Curtis Samuel. You got Terry McLaurin there, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league I think Antonio Gibson is going to have a breakout season and Washington probably could have the best defense in the NFL this year now moving into the top 10 I have Tennessee at number 10 Tennessee is a team that is a Super Bowl contender. They're definitely in that discussion. And I believe that they were already a Super Bowl contender in my eyes before they traded for Julio Jones. Now you add Julio Jones. I don't know how you're going to stop that offense. Now you got A.J. Brown, Julio Jones that you have to deal with. Now you also got Derrick Henry. But my question is, what's going to happen at tight end? You know, how's the tight end position going to look? Now, defense is a huge question because if that defense doesn't improve, then I don't think Tennessee is going to get that far into the playoffs. But if that defense improves then you definitely can see Tennessee in that Super Bowl discussion. Now, the San Francisco 49ers are at number 9. The 49ers were a team that was heavily, heavily devastated by injuries last year. And despite the fact that he had so many injuries last year, this was still a team that was still really competitive. 
And that was with, you know, Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard at quarterback. So they pretty much were still effective on offense with three different quarterbacks last year. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is expected to be the starter at quarterback for week one. Trey Lance probably is going to sit out this year. But regardless, I still think that the 49ers, if they're able to have everybody stay fully healthy, that this team is going to be really good. They're going to be right back to where they were previously in 2019. You have the Buffalo Bills who are also really, really talented. You bring in Emmanuel Sanders, and although he's up, he's up there in age. He's pretty much on his last leg. I think he's going to end up being pretty good. Okay, you also have Davis, who also was pretty good for them last year. So Buffalo is stacked on offense, but the question is going to be. Is the rushing attack going to improve? Because Buffalo was a pass-heavy team last year. And the reason for that wasn't just because they had so much success throwing the football, but it's because they didn't really have that much success running the football. And also, is that pass rush going to improve this year for Buffalo? Because if Buffalo wants to be in that Super Bowl conversation, that pass rush has to be better than what it was last year. You got Baltimore at number seven. Baltimore is a team that I definitely can see in that Super Bowl discussion. Now, it just depends on how much that pass attack develops and it's not going to be because of Lamar Jackson is going to be firstly are those young receivers on that roster going to be able to step up I think the addition of Sammy Watkins was much needed I think he may be one of the most underrated free agency signings from the free agency period you also have J.K. Dobbins who I think is going to have a breakout season the off the line I think the off the line could take a step back. It's not going to be bad, but it's definitely not going to be the great off the line play we have been accustomed to seeing out in Baltimore over the last couple of years. But I think Baltimore definitely is going to be in that Super Bowl conversation. I have them at number seven. Now, at number six, have the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots, like the 49ers, although they didn't have a lot of injuries, they had injuries and you had a lot of your best players who ended up opting out before the season began, and yet New England was still really competitive. And if Cam Newton never had COVID and he was playing up to the level that he was before he came back from COVID, and a couple of things would have went their way, New England probably could have got into the playoffs last year. So you look at New England, I think they're the sixth best team in the NFL. You have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. You have depth at every single position. Position. And although you don't have stars at every single position, like at wide receiver or, or on the defensive line, like you have a lot of depth at every single position. So for the New England Patriots, I mean, you can rotate guys in, keep guys fresh. If you have one guy go down for injury, it's not going to be no biggie because you're going to have more guys who can come in and produce at a pretty high level. And then on top of that, rather Cam Newton or Mac Jones be the starting quarterback this year, I still feel like New England is going to have success either way. You got John Lewis Smith and Hunter Henry, which is the best tight end duo in the NFL going into this year. You're going to have a pretty good rushing attack. So for New England, I think this is a team that a lot of people are really really sleeping on this year and I feel like this team is going to wake a lot of people up a lot of people think that New England is done I don't think so I think New England is going to be able to reclaim the AFC East this year and Bill Belichick the Sith master that is Bill Belichick aka Papa Team 2.0 is going to show everybody why he's the greatest coach in NFL history at number five I have the Green Bay Packers now Aaron Rodgers is coming back that saga is now finished. Thank God. We didn't know when that was going to happen. We didn't know if he was going to play, if he was going to play. Now he's coming back. I think Green Bay is still in that Super Bowl conversation. Now, in terms of them being a Super Bowl contender, I just say they are because they have Aaron Rodgers, but 
I don't really take them serious in that Super Bowl conversation because this is a team that oftentimes comes up short. And it's not because of what they've done in the past. It's just that I don't really know if Green Bay has the horses defensively to get into the Super Bowl. I have questions about linebacker. Pass rush is still good. But overall, I don't really know how good that linebacker position is going to be for Green Bay this season. Then you have the LA Rams. The LA Rams, I feel like, are going to be my pick to win the NFC this year with the addition of Matthew Stafford. I think he's an upgrade from Jared Goff. I definitely think that he's going to end up getting the Rams to the NFC Conference Championship game this year. I know Cam Akers went down, but people act like Daryl Henderson is a slouch. Like Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers had the same numbers last year. As a matter of fact, Daryl Henderson had more touchdowns and a higher yards per carry average than Cam Akers. So I don't think that's that big of a loss. The Rams still have one of the best off the lines in the NFL. You have a really great group of wide receivers, and I do think their defense is still going to be pretty good, although it will be a drop-off due to the fact that Brandon Staley is now the head coach for the Chargers. I still think with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, you're still going to have a really good defense. Then you look at Cleveland. Cleveland is one of the most talented teams in all the NFL. This team pretty much has no weaknesses. At linebacker, probably is their only position of concern. But you look at corner, you look at safety, you look at edge rusher. They have it all at wide receiver. They're stacked. You got Baker Mayfield, who is a really good quarterback when you give him the pieces around him. You got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, which is the best one-two punch in the NFL. And you have one of the five best offensive lines in the league. Then I have Kansas City. At number two, this is a team that already was really good, but they lost in Super Bowl due to having injuries to the offensive line. Now you improve the offensive line. You assembly bring in the Avengers of the offensive line. So I think Kansas City is going to be right back up there. I think they're probably going to end up making it to the Super Bowl for a third straight year in a row. And you got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who bring back the whole entire Super Bowl roster from last season. So this is my 2021 preseason power rankings going into the upcoming NFL season going into the preseason you guys let me know what you guys think about it down in the comment section down below before we get into the last topic I gotta take a drink of water okay so the last thing that we have to discuss I want to talk about why this is a make-or-break season for John Gruden with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, John Gruden is going into his fourth season with the Las Vegas Raiders in his second stint with this franchise. And so far, his first couple years, he has a record of 19 wins and 29 losses. In 2018, he went 4-12, 2019-7-9, 2020-8-8. Now, here's the problem with the Las Vegas Raiders. There's nothing wrong with the offense, although you do have some Raider fans out there who feels like the offense is too old-fashioned and whatnot. The offense isn't the issue. The problem is the fact that this defense still cannot find a way to even be average. That's all the Raiders need. All the Raiders need is an average defense, and this team is a playoff caliber football team. Now, the Raiders spent a lot of capital in the draft and in free agency improving this secondary. And for the Raiders, you just keep on drafting defensive backs. You keep drafting defensive backs until, I guess, you find some that are actually good, and I don't blame them. I do not blame him. Aside from Trayvon Mullen, you don't really have any good corners. Now, you do have Jonathan Abram, who I think is solid when he's able to stay healthy. He's able to stay on the field. You do have a pretty solid pass rush when Mac 
when Max Crosby is able to stay healthy, he kind of had a down year due to the fact that he did have some injury issues and whatnot, but I think he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to end up being a pro bowler this year. You bring in Yannick Ngakwe, I think that pass rush is going to improve, and I think that's something that the Raiders have been lacking. Like, if you can have a great pass rush, that's going to help out your secondary because then your secondary is going to have to stay in coverage for all that long. Linebacker is also a little bit of a concern because Corey Littleton didn't really have the season I thought he would. Now, with Gus Bradley at defensive coordinator, a lot of Raiders fans feel like this defense should improve. I don't really know. I'm still on the fence about Gus Bradley, but... Another thing about Las Vegas is the fact that they always start the season out really good. Like, first half of the year, you always have Raiders fans coming on saying, oh, yeah, man, like, we're really good. Like, this is going to be the year, man. And then the second half of the season comes around after Thanksgiving, the Raiders start to fade down the stretch. And that is my biggest issue with John Gruden and this Raiders franchise, the fact that they always start out fast. You know, the Rabbit was in first place, but then the Turtle were in the race. The teams that didn't start the season out all that good, they end up starting, they end up finishing the season out on a pretty high note, and you end up having the Raiders who end up starting the season out hot, and they end up finishing the season out really cold. So for the Raiders, I just don't understand why this team struggles down the stretch to clinch their, their playoff spot. I honestly don't. It's like, the playoffs is when then reach for the Las Vegas Raiders and somehow they just find a way to fumble it. Like you lost Thursday night against the Miami Dolphins, a game that you should have won. And then you lost one of, and one of the biggest upsets of the NFL season last year to the Atlanta Falcons. It's like, I don't know if a lot of you guys remember this commercial, but there used to be a Geico commercial. And they still show from time to time you have the, the old man, grandpa with the fishing hook and he has, a, he has something on it. And it's like somebody's trying to get it. And it's like, oh, you got to be quicker than that. You got to be quicker than that. And every time they think they're about to get it, it's like, oh, you got to be quicker than that. You got to get quicker than that. It's like you ever gave somebody a high five, you say up high. You get in the high five, then you say down low. Then you pull, pull your hand the last minute, you say too slow. That's what happens with the Las Vegas Raiders. It seems like every time they come close to making it into the playoffs, they just... They just fumble it, man. And I really don't understand why John Gruden doesn't have this team more prepared in the last stage of the season. It seems like this team just gets so confident and so full of themselves that in the second half of the year, it just comes back and it bites them in the butt. And for John Gruden, man, like, John Gruden is getting paid a lot of money. A lot of money. And even if the Raiders don't make it into the playoffs this year, I mean, he still has a couple more years to make it work because he has like a long, uh, like a decade long contract for, so for Raiders fans, if John Gruden once again fails to get the job done, I don't think we're going to see him going anywhere, simply for the fact that he is probably going to have one of the largest buyouts in NFL history that was really smart of him and his agent negotiating whatever kind of contract they were able to get the Raiders ownership to sign off on because this is a really good deal. So for John Gruden, man, this is a really critical season for him because I feel like a lot of people give John Gruden more credit than what he deserves him for the fact that he won a Super Bowl like nearly two decades ago. Like it's 2021, people. It has been what? We went through 2012. It's nearly been like 19 years, pretty much, since John Gruden won the Super Bowl with the Tempe Buccaneers. And after he won that Super Bowl with the Tempe Buccaneers, he didn't really have that much success after. Like, yeah, he went to the playoffs a couple of times, but he didn't really have any deep playoff runs. So when you look at John Gruden, man, like, I really feel like a lot of people 
Just think about the fact that John Gruden won the Super Bowl like nearly two decades ago. And they say, you know, JT, like these guys were former Super Bowl winning coach. Like that was two decades ago. Mike McCarthy won the Super Bowl with Green Bay in 2010. And look where he's at. So, I mean, like, I feel like too many people just hold the fact that John Gruden won the Super Bowl. Like, they just use that too much to the fact to prove their argument of why they think John Gruden is the guy. Like, you can win the Super Bowl and still end up not being great after. So, you look at John Gruden, man. Like, I just feel like he's kind of overrated. And I don't really like using the term overrated and underrated on the channel all that much. Because I really feel like how you view a team or how you view a player or a coach is... How you, what your expectations are for that player, coach, or team, okay? Like, for example, if I say that the Chiefs are going to go 17-0 this year and they end up going 12-5, I'm not going to call them overrated. Just because I was wrong in my assessment about the team doesn't mean they were overrated. So really the whole overrated, underrated um, argument comes to how people's expectations are for said player, said team, or said coach. So I don't really like using the whole overrated, underrated thing, but I do feel like John Gruden does get too much credit for what he's done in the past. And when I look at Raiders fans saying, oh, we did this, or John Gruden did this, like, I don't care about that. Because what does John Gruden winning a Super Bowl two decades ago do for the Raiders this year? How does that help them? How does the Raiders... Pulling off the upset against Kansas City last year helped them this year. That was last year. John Gruden winning the Super Bowl was in the past. Like, you Raiders fans have to get over that. You have to look at the current task at hand. And for right now, man, like, I feel like this is a really critical season for John Gruden. Because I feel like if John Gruden doesn't get the Raiders into the playoffs this year, then I feel like he may not ever get the Raiders to the playoffs. Ever. Because you look at... All of the teams that have caught up with the Las Vegas Raiders. Because when John Gruden took over as a head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders, he was pretty much the second best team. Like, yeah, you had the Chargers with that one big year when Anthony Lynn and them went to the playoffs and they got destroyed by New England. Okay. But outside of that, the Chargers have gotten worse every single year. Same thing with the Broncos. Now, the Broncos are on the up and up. It just comes down to the quarterback. Um... It just comes back down to how well the quarterback position plays out for them. But when you look at the Las Vegas Raiders, like, at the time, you were the second best team in your division. And it seems like the rest of the division has caught up to you. And then you look at the young quarterbacks in this division, such as Justin Herbert and potentially Drew Locke, if he's able to figure things out. So with Justin Herbert, the Chargers are going to be here to stay. If Brandon Staley ends up being the head coach that we all expect him to be, so for the Chargers, they're going to be here to stay. If Denver can figure out the quarterback conference, if they can figure out their whole quarterback um, debacle that they have going on between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, and even if they don't get that figured out, they're definitely going to have it figured out next offseason. So really for Denver and the Chargers, you are pretty much caught up to the Las Vegas Raiders. So I look at John Gruden, if he can't get the Raiders to the playoffs this season, I don't think he's ever going to be able to get the Raiders to the playoffs ever. Because you can make an argument and say that this is the best team that John Gruden has had since he, had, since he has been the head coach in his second stint with the Las Vegas Raiders. So for me, if this defense doesn't improve, I don't think it ever will improve. Because then you're once again going to keep on bringing another defensive coordinator, bringing in some more defensive backs until you get it right. And I just don't think that if John Gruden is able to get the Raiders to the playoffs this year, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. I just don't because after this year, Denver definitely is going to have their quarterback situation taken care of. 
You look at the Chargers, Justin Herbert is going to continue to improve, and they already have a pretty solid foundation, so they're going to continue to build on and add talent on. So the Raiders and the Raiders, you look at, you know, the Broncos and Chargers, the Chargers are just going to continue to go up, and it seems like the Raiders are just going to keep on trying to scratch and crawl on the ground and try to figure out how they can get that defense going and how they can get this team into the playoffs. So I think that this is a make-or-break season for John Gruden. Honestly, do. And I don't like using the whole make-or-break scenarios and things like that. But I really feel like if the Raiders don't get into the playoffs this season, then I don't think they're ever going to get into the playoffs with John Gruden as long as he stays as their head coach. So this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Um, Make sure that if you guys are watching on YouTube that you guys go ahead and subscribe to the channel, like the video, also, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure that you guys go ahead and leave a five-star review. Make sure that you guys go ahead and follow me on my social media platforms. My Instagram and Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. Also, make sure that you guys share the podcast with your friends, family, and acquaintances. And I will see you guys shortly with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.